reading today is from James chapter 4, verses 1 to 10. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Um, we are continuing on oh. in our series in James. Um, why don't I pray and then we'll jump into it. Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity that we get as your people, as brothers and sisters, to gather before your word. And Lord, I pray that as we gather here this morning, Lord, you might have a word for all of us wherever we're at with our, our journey of faith with you, Lord, whatever the challenges that may be in front of us or whatever it is that might be laying behind us, Lord, I pray you might have a word that speaks to us. Lord, we just pray uh, that uh, you help me as your servant to be uh, faithful and true to your word and that we might get heaps out of it this morning as we gather. Lord, we thank you for this and we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll do that later. Thank you, Cliff. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. It's an interesting passage, hey, this one, chapter four. Um, it's one of those ones, again, where James wants to really highlight a uncomfortable truth about us as his people. Uh, Tom, I'll need you to click for me. That's right. Give you the next one for me. Um, it was once said that mankind's chief legacy is war because we have so successfully passed it down to every new generation. You know, without fail, we've been able to pass it on to the next generation. And there is an uncomfortable truth about that. There is something within us that quarrels and fights. Little kids are a good example. Like, you don't teach them to fight. They just know how to do it, don't they? And boy, are they good, you know? 
Like, we don't say, okay, this is what happens. They take your toy and then you hit them. You know, like, they just know, right? It's just something instinctive within them. They know to what it is to quarrel and fight. And when someone does something that they don't like, whether it's fair or whether it's not fair, there is a, a war that rages within them. Um, next one, thanks, Tom. Uh, this passage continues on from that conversation that James started last week with all of the different problems that we face um, as God's people trying to be more like him. Last week he talked about taming the tongue, this problem, this restless evil, the tongue that will never be able to fully tame and all of the, the problems that it can cause. But now James turns his eye to another challenge which we all face, which is conflict. The conflict that wages within us, but also, of course, the conflict with which unfortunately exists between us and each other. Um, next one, thanks, Tom. The old translation of James 4 1, the, the, the King James, would read like this From whence comes wars and fighting amongst you? And they use that word war because that is more uh, closely linked to the sort of language that James is using. He's using this language of conflict and war, the same sort of words that you would use for the men that charge out onto the battlefield and fight each other. Um, he uses this language to describe the daily battles that lie within. You know, he says things like, the desires that battle within you, you desire but you do not have, so you kill, you quarrel and you fight. This sort of language that if you were hearing this for the first time would prick your ears up. You know, you're like, what's he, what's he getting on? What's he talking about there? Because he's talking about this kind of, you know, language which conjures up images of death and destruction and all those sorts of terrible things that go along with war. Um, James isn't writing to the church because they're killing each other. Like, that's not the problem that he is referring to. But he's framing this struggle that we all have as God's people with this language of war and conflict. Um, next one. Thanks, Tom. Verse 4. Uh, sorry, chapter 4, verses 1 and verses 2. Uh, what causes fights and quarrels amongst you? Do they not come from your desires at battle within? Your desire, uh, you desire but you do not have, so you kill, you covet. You cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. James, he names the problem and names its source. We fight because we covet. We quarrel and we battle because we want more for ourselves and uh, whatever it takes to get more of that slice of the pie, we will go about doing to get it. Uh, James writes this 2,000 years ago, but not much has changed. Hey, you know, like that was his reflection on the world that he lived in. The people um, are, are greedy and they covet what others have and they fight and they bicker and they quarrel and they do what they need to do to get their bigger slice of the pie. And here we are, 2,000 odd years later, uh, and he could be writing it about today, couldn't he? He could be writing it about the northern beaches of Sydney in 2023. Um, uh, next slide. There was this uh, Four Corners. No, it's an Australian story. It's an Australian story, there you go. Australian story on um, one of the biggest um, insider trading scams that happened in recent Australian financial history. I call it the accomplice. There was these two guys, 
both very young men in their early 20s um, that had just entered the workforce. One was in an investment bank, one was in the RBA. He was working for the government. Um, and they kind of decided, well, if you feed me what the next announcements are going to be, I can make the bets based on knowing what those announcements are. We can build up an, uh, an account. So they, they decided we won't have any contact, we won't see each other, we'll use burner phones, we did all that kind of stuff. Um, and um, they said, well, when it, once it gets to 100,000, we'll call it quits, we'll split the winnings, and we'll go home. So the, um, the RBA guy, he's passing all this information and it's going on for months and months and months and you know, over a year of passing all this information and the other guy's making all the bets. He doesn't hear much about it. He doesn't hear what's going on. Um, but uh, lo and behold, the, uh, the banker um, didn't stop at 100,000. <laughs> he kept going and going and going into the millions and the millions and the millions. And he wasn't subtle about his spending. He's driving expensive cars. He's going on lavish holidays. Um, next slide. He even bought a unit from the block. Right? He literally went on TV, this young guy in his 20s, buying a two million something dollar unit on the block. And they interviewed the, the block winners and they were like, we were like, where's this guy getting his money from? Daddy must be rich, you know. <laughs> Um, when it all fell apart, uh, thanks Tom, next slide. When it all fell apart, they, um, you know, it, the, 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 the guy who worked at the bank was just completely flabbergasted at how far it had gone. He hadn't realised um, how much the other guy had made and not even told him, right? He hadn't even got his 50,000 yet and the other guy's spending the millions and the millions and the millions. Um, they go to court uh, and of course, what does the banker do? Oh, it was all the other guy's fault. It was all the other, you know, he was the one that, he was the one that started it, he initiated it, all this kind of stuff. Anyway, it's this beautiful story of just the stupidity and blindness of greed. Um, and and as, I was, as I was reading this, this um, reflection from James, I was like, wow, um, really not much has changed. In 2,000 years, perhaps nothing at all has changed. Um, we covet uh, and we desire more. So we quarrel and we fight and we put ourselves first, uh, regardless of what happens to other people. And it's not just something um, that the bad guys do, is it? It's not just something that the evil people do, be greedy and covetous. It's actually kind of baked into our society. We're a society that is chiefly interested in personal prosperity, us personally doing really well in whatever way, shape or form that looks. There was that old bank line on that ad, if you remember, for the most important person in the world, you. That was their, their advertising slogan. And you know why they used it? Because they knew that it was true. Because everyone out there is like, yeah, you're right. I'm the most important person. You know what I mean? Like, they were tapping into something that was a truth in our society. This is the problem as James sees it. The problem is, is that the heart of mankind is selfish. The heart of mankind looks to self first. And all of these other problems, quarrelling, fighting, uh, greed, um, all that kind of stuff, kind of comes from this root source. Um, next one. Thanks, Tom. Verses 4. You adulterous people. You don't know that friendship with the world means enmity against God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. There's this juxtaposition that James is um, holding up here between those that love and follow God and those that love and follow the world. And he's saying you can't do both. 
Loving the world is being against God, and loving God should be being against the world. The two things are opposed to each other, um, and uh, you can't really have a foot in both camps. Um, the world, uh, sorry, Jesus teaches us um, to be a servant of all. Um, he teaches us that uh, the humble will be blessed. Uh, he teaches us that the first will be last, and the world says that's all rubbish. Don't be a servant. Be a master. Uh, don't be last. Be first. The humble will just get walked on. You know, there's this um, juxtaposition of these two, and James is saying if you're trying to have a foot in both camp, you, you're going to get stuck. It's not going to work out the way you might have hoped. Well, what is the solution to this big problem? The problem of the human heart that James has highlighted. Um, have a look at the next one. Verse 7, submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail. Change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. How do we solve the problem of the human heart? This problem that James has been talking about for the last two chapters, really. The tongue is a restless evil that can't be tamed. Our selfish desires within us that make us to quarrel and fight and look after ourselves more than looking after others. Well, he says the solution is this, to submit to God and to resist the devil. Resist those temptations of the heart, the inherent selfishness. Draw close to God. Uh, and in that way, in drawing close to God, being made more in his image. Uh, I was thinking about this week, and it actually we get this kind of snapshot of this in Jesus' life. Um, next slide. There's that story, of course, of Jesus being tempted in the desert. Jesus is fasting for 40 days in the desert, um, and the devil comes to him, and what does he tempt him with? The, the desires of the world, the desires of his heart. He says, you're hungry. Make food for yourself, right? That's kind of, you know, the, the desires, those basic desires. You can give yourself as much as you need. You can turn these rocks into bread. And he says, cast yourself down from the top of the temple. That's, you know, fame. Let everyone see your glory and your majesty. Let everyone know so that there'll be no one that will be confused when the angels catch you before you hit the ground. Everyone will know. And then he says, look at, look at, look at across all these lands. They will be yours to rule. You know, he tempts him with the things of the world, the desires of the world, the things that would be tempting to any human. But what does Jesus do every time? He submits to God. He, 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 he puts the scriptures between him and the devil. And what does the devil do every time? He flees. He retreats. There's this great little example of doing that here um, with Jesus in the desert. Uh, but next slide, Tom. Those two verses, though, 7 and 8, they're really key. They're like key to this, to actually probably the second half of the whole book of the book of James. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. He will flee. Come near to God and he will come near to us. Um, but this has been my problem all week is what does it mean? <laughs> These are really key verses, but what, are, what does that actually mean? You can say that, hey, submit to God. Okay, what does that look like? Oh, it just means being really submissive. You know? It just means like submitting. 
Like whenever you're defining something with the, you know, with the word with which you're trying to define, you've got yourself into a bit of a problem there, don't you? Well, what does that mean for us to submit to God? It's a great memory verse. It's a great one to put on a, you know, a, a doily and hang on the wall. You know, have on your, on your um, uh, a sticker on the back of your bumper sticker or something like that, isn't it? It's one of those good ones. But how do we do it? And as I was thinking about this week and I was praying about it, I was a little bit stuck. I was like, how do I explain what this actually means to us? Um, and then as I was doing that, uh, I felt like the Lord gave me an analogy, which actually made it a lot clearer for me. Um, uh, next slide, if you could, Tom. We have two dogs at our house. Or we, have, we had two. We have one now. Cookie's passed away. We have Coco. So um, the boys have always grown up with dogs in the house. Right? At the start, we would protect the, um, the boys from the dogs. Now we protect the dogs from the boys. Um, the tables have turned. Um, but they're very comfortable with dogs, is my point. Wherever, you know, wherever they see a dog, there's, there, there's no trepidation because they've grown up with dogs. They're, they're very comfortable, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, one day we were out um, somewhere in public uh, and there was this big dog running around. Uh, next one, thanks, Tom. A lot bigger than our little cavoodles. Um, and this big dog um, was, it wasn't being aggressive, but it was being pretty intimidating. And it charged up to Freddie, who at that stage was kind of face height. If, you, if, you, if we were out somewhere and there was a dog that looked us straight in the eyes, we would all be pretty intimidated too. And Freddie got that look on his face like, I'm in trouble here. <laughs> and he turned and he ran. But what, do you, what happens when you run from a dog? It chases you. And I wasn't too far away. And I was saying, run to me. Run to me. Don't run away. If you run away, you're in trouble. Run to me and I'll step between you and the dog and you'll be fine. Uh, the safest place you can be is just behind me because I will step between you and the dog and I will make the fight mine. All right? The dog's got to now deal with me. It doesn't have to deal with you. This is what it's like for us and God. Uh, next slide. When the devil strikes, when he's chasing you down, God says, run to me. Don't run away. Don't flee out into the world. Because what will happen when you flee out into the world? The devil's going to chase you harder. He's going to make life more difficult. Right? That's where... He can get you the most, actually, if you flee out into the world. No, 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 don't do that. Draw near to me. Draw near to me. And what will happen? The devil will flee. Jesus is in the desert. The devil is tempting him. And he, and he, he, he like puts up the scriptures like a shield. And it's like it repels the devil. Off he goes. He retreats. Comes back again another day with another tact. Sometimes in life, when temptation strikes us, when things are going on in our life and, um, you know, we're not feeling very close to God, um, we're not connecting with him in our spiritual life, things are falling apart, we feel the temptations of the world getting stronger, sometimes the temptation for us is to run away from God. Do you know what I mean? Is to run, is to, is just to like... Oh, I'm just going to distance myself from God right now. Distance myself from church. I'm not feeling really godly enough. I, oh, I, don't, I, can't, I can't face going to my life group right now. Um, oh, man. But God says, no, no, no. 
When you're feeling like that, don't run away. Run to me. Because when you run to me, uh, I will step in between you and the temptations of the devil and the fight will be mine. You don't need to worry about the devil who's chasing you, about the temptations, about the struggles, about the things that are really weighing you down, the doubts that you're having, the things in your relationships that are kind of unravelling. You can can put that on my shoulders because my shoulders can carry that burden. I can carry that yoke. Uh, And I don't know about you, but when temptation is getting the better of me in my life, I tend to hide from God. Do you know what I mean? And I get this thing where I, I feel embarrassed in prayer. It's like when I'm praying to God, I feel embarrassed. It's like, like the first thing I have to say is, oh, oh God, I'm really so, you know, like I know there's all of these things which is just are not right. And it, and it becomes a barrier between me and God in my prayer life, right? But when you think about, you think about God as, as father and us as children, you don't want your children to be embarrassed about the wrong things. That, you want them to tell you, don't you? You want to be involved in that. You want, you want to help them through it. You want to work with them. If there's something they're struggling with, you don't want them to hide it from you. You want to know that you might work with them in doing that. Submitting to God, drawing near to him, then the devil will flee. That's part of the progression that James, the way he explains it and understands it. When uh, the devil is firing the, um, those fiery darts at you, in whatever way, shape or form, be it in the, in the form of temptation, be it in the form of just feeling though you need to withdraw from church, from all of those sorts of things, those sorts of places where you find God, um, these are the times when you need to lean into God more. Don't run from the God, but lean into him. Go to the places where uh, you can draw near to God and you find God, right? It might be different for all of us. Maybe um, for, for, for some of us, it looks like coming to here. It looks like coming to a gathering of Christians, church or whatever it is. Maybe it looks like going to life group. That's leaning into God. Maybe it looks like um, setting some time aside for prayer, right? Drawing nearer to God in prayer. Maybe it looks like going, I'm just going to read God's word and just listen to him speak to me for a bit. Maybe it looks like going on a retreat. Maybe it looks like going for a long drive with worship music on. Whatever it looks like for you, the places where you find God, the places where you feel like God is nearer, um, that's the way you draw near. Right? That's the way. They're, they're the things we can do, the practical things we can do to draw near to God in these times when it's hard. Uh, my, my home church was um, an Anglican church in Hornsby Heights, and we used to do the old Lord's Prayer. Do you want, um, next one, Tom? Thank you. Um, and it had a line in it that was different from the version that we use today. It said, Lord, lead us from temptation and deliver us from evil. We say these days, um, save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. Um, maybe I'm showing my age, but I like the old one. Yeah, I like the old one. I like the one because there have been times in my life when I thought to myself, Lord, lead me from temptation. And that is a helpful line. Lord, I'm, there's something going on right now that I'm struggling with. Lord, just lead me from that temptation. And the next line, of course, is deliver me from evil. This is what James is talking about. Lead us from temptation, Lord. When we run uh, from God and not to him, we'll only find ourselves in more trouble. When we run to God and not from him, that is when we will find strength. 
not of ourselves, certainly not in the world, but in submitting to God, drawing near to him, finding him in all of those different places and ways in which we might do that. James tells us, wash your hands, sinners, purify your hearts. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Uh, And what a promise that is. That if we come humbly before the Lord, what will be the result? Not trampled, like the world seems to suggest it will happen. But when we come humbly before the Lord, he will lift us up. He will raise us high. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble. Ben, do you want to come up? Uh, Simon, do you mind if you just say a word of prayer for us? Oh, Kirsten's going to pray for us. Thank you, Kirsten. Perfect. If you want to pray for us, and uh, we'll have our final song after that.